The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Great to be with you. Midweek editions here at Tail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We are loaded up. We are 24 hours away from the yearbook release party at Hale Varsity Club up in La Vista. We invite you up there. We're on the air 4 to 6. The party gets kicking at 6, 6 to 8. Some ex-Huskers going to be up there. Deontay Williams, Demorde Pearsonell. Maybe we can get DeMorne some more eligibility for the punt return side of things. And Tommy Armstrong going to be up there as well. Aaron Sorensen, uh, Greg Smith, Mike Babcock. And just so we so happen to have two of those guys on today, uh, we'll check in with uh, Mr. Husker Football, Mike Babcock, in about 20 minutes. In hour two, uh, we'll spend some recruiting time with Greg Smith to start us off. And then Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride. I was traveling back Monday, and uh, we need to do a Monday with Charlie on a Wednesday. It's been a heavy June theme with that. How about this? Mr. Husker Football himself, Mike Babcock, already waiting in the green room. Is he really? It's all He's ready on the stream yard because we'll be streaming Babbers. He, he, he just breeds Husker football. You heard we're going to be talking Husker football for 20 minutes before he was coming on. <laughs> he said, you know what? we got nothing better to do. <laughs> I tell them I listen. Let me prove it. <laughs> it was funny. We're just strolling through one of the, uh, the iconic accounts is the shooter McGavin account and i i just laughing out loud and i had to quiz elijah because what they have is the end uh, scene from shawshank redemption and it's it's the scene where red is is carving in his name red brooks had signed his name in before brooks said goodbye to this world <clears throat> and it's got it's got brooks kepka's face on on Morgan Freeman's body in Shawshank. And then it's got, <laughs> it cuts to the end of the movie where, you know, when Red jumps, Bale takes the bus to down to Mexico, say, Watanao, uh, to find his dear friend Andy Dufresne. It's got, it's got Andy Dufresne there sanding the boat down, but it's got Phil Mickelson's face on it. I tried to describe it the best I could. I retweeted it at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt's where you find my Twitter, at Elijah Herbal for, uh, it's Herbal Essence it is. Is, is Elijah's Twitter handle. And you can always email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. But that, that made me laugh, the, uh, the Tony Romo doing twerks tweet from our, our barstool friends, Big Cat. Yesterday was hilarious. Tony Romo is doing yoga stuff on all fours at the amateur qualifier uh, while some guy's trying to putt. 
<laughs> yesterday <laughs> and uh, just things that make you laugh on social media. No laughing matter. Nebraska's mm, turnover problems. Uh, big story in 24-7 on that. Uh, you have the future projections, future power rankings are out for ESPN College Football. Who is their top 25 three years? We'll dive into that and uh, always take your phone calls. You want to jump in that way at 466-3776-466-3776. Toll free 800-825-5865. But just to, uh, to recap, a reminder to you with the uh, Hale Varsity yearbook drop. The cover is Garrett Nelson. It's fantastic. Your college football Bible, if you're a Nebraska fan, uh, will be available for you uh, when you go up to the Hale Varsity Club and uh, get locked in and uh, come see us tomorrow from uh, 4 to 8 uh, if you want to see the radio show, 6 to 8 for uh, the rest of the celebration, food and drinks, come hungry, come thirsty, and uh, if you want some uh, Husker, former Husker autographs, that's there as well. So it's really cool, uh, your chance to get up there and uh, can uh, log on and check things out, uh, com as well, just to uh, find out and kind of scout out the menu, the drink specials. It's really awesome. It's just right by the Embassy Suites as you come off of um, of 680 uh, in La Vista. So let's dive in, Elijah, to uh, Nebraska's problems, right? What has ailed Nebraska football in the Frost era I know Tom Fornelli is also out with uh, a, a sharp object, not just with some of his tweets, and, and that's all good, man. I mean, the guy has a right to an opinion. You just are tired of hearing about it. It seems more like a pile-on at this point, but facts are facts until you change that conversation if you're in Nebraska and get some wins. But he, he's like... To Fornelli, what what have you seen the the last? He said eight years of Nebraska football to give you any optimism, and and I'll say this: there's been some moments of optimism, but there's not been enough moments of consistency. And part of that problem has been the one area Nebraska has been consistent in, and that's turning the football over. Well, see, I'm glad we're going to the to the side of what in the last eight years has shown you optimism as opposed to what's gone wrong over the last eight years, because I don't think we have six hours to get through everything. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we got to stick with, uh, with, the, with the optimism side. Because, I mean, like, how many things you talk about that have gone wrong? Turnovers, special teams, one-score games, uh, the fourth quarter just in general. Uh, in almost every single game, the fourth quarter has gone wrong. Uh, recruiting, uh, recruiting the wrong guys, guys entering the transfer portal, guys entering the transfer portal. You're putting, a, you're, I putting mean, a, you're putting a, I need seven shots of Jack Daniels list together. <laughs> that's what you're doing. That's what it's, it feels like. I mean, it, it's still crazy because I still sit here in June of 2022. And you're like, hey, hell yeah, they can win nine. I mean, did you see how many close <laughs> games they had last year? It's 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 out there. And that's what's worrisome to me because I have to sit back and go, am I talking crazy here or was there actually enough optimism from last season alone despite the worst record over the past eight years being last year? Um, it also felt like the season that had the most optimism. So I sit here and it's it's hard to, to balance those two different, completely different things I saw last year. It's two ends of the spectrum. And here's my, my big question, right? And... 
quarterback, right? And we there's so much uncertainty with the offensive line. That's you have every right to be concerned. But as Lou Brown once said in Major League, I think he's due. Right? Isn't Nebraska due to have good offensive line play? I didn't think that'd ever be a topic of conversation. But are you going to get some love from the football gods and have a, a, a healthy left tackle that's young that can anchor that spot for years to come? That's your ask. That's your need. Are you going to figure out right tackle? Is that a Ben Hart? Uh, is that an Okie State transfer? Is that Turner Corcoran? Do you, do you solve the center problem? I think they got enough bodies for guard. They'll be okay. I hope your boy Bando wins a job. I mean, he's been grinding for six years. Uh, but I, I also like Kevin Williams. I like New Ellie. I love his aggressiveness. I like his footwork. I mean, so is Hickson the guy at center? Is Piper an option? I mean, you've got some some in-state kids that you want to see do well, but they need to have bounce-back seasons. They And with Ben Hart, man, I mean, uh, he's he's super athletic. He's a wrestler. The the aggressiveness thing is the word on the street anyway that, that needs to get turned up. And then you get into to turnovers. I mean, it's it's touchdowns and it's turnovers. And it's been turnovers at the quarterback spot. Do you just get good enough quarterback play to, A, be able to hand off for 215 a game? You throw for another 250. You, you limit the turnovers to, at worst, two a game. Praying that there are most games you go zero or one. And for sure you don't go minus in a ball game. I mean, those are all things that got to come together uh, because you have talented players, you have talented coaches, you have sound game plans, you have a lot of energy. You've got a group of kids that are sick of being home for the holidays. I mean, the, the, the motivation's there. You've gone out and killed it in the portal. You've got seemingly enough good dudes that are holdovers that are back to set that culture and have the new guys adopt and adapt to the way you do things in Lincoln. What they're bringing is playmaking and, in some instances, uh, traits from a winning culture. But to throw some cold water on this, saying, so it's, it's, it's hot saying this, uh, this offensive line is due or this offense is due or this team is due is like you got Mario Mendoza at the plate with runners in scoring position. Yeah, he's been in the majors for a long time, but... They call it the Mendoza, Mendoza line, line for, for a reason. reason. He, he, he's a 200 hitter. He, sure, he may have gone 0 for 11 in his last 11 at-bats, but he's still a career 200 hitter. And Sure, he's due, but what's he due for? He, he's, he's due to make contact at the plate this well, time? He's due to go 2 for 10. <laughs> okay. 2 for 10 and 3 for 10 gets you to the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Big well, difference in that one hit. Yeah, the 2 for 10 gets you a line named after you. 3 for 10 gets you a Hall of Fame, uh-huh. which is it's, it's crazy the difference there. But that, that's what I feel like this conversation is like saying, yeah, the offense line is due to have a better season. They're, they're due to get back. Sure, they're, they're due to get back. But is, is one out of every 10 seasons or two out of every 10 seasons being a, a good offense line? Is that even good enough? You have, a, you have enough guys here that have been in the program long enough that they're not young anymore. And I'm talking the Pipers and the Ben Hart's and the Hicksons, okay. right? And they'll they'll either be complimentary backup guys that go in, 
or they catch fire and go win a job. And they've got a new position coach to go learn from, adapt to his ways, adapt to the Whipple way. And and maybe what they're going to be asked to do uh, suits their skill set better. Yeah, and that was kind of what we were saying on Saturday uh, with uh, Cranach jumped in and said, well, have we not been telling them to fire off the ball before? So we've been hearing so much from the offensive line, and, and we laugh, but there is a, a legitimate— You know uh, more, you know it better than most because, I mean, they, you, you played it. There, there's a legitimate argument to that of, yeah, I mean, there is a different kind of— I mean, firing off the ball is a tenant of offensive line play, but there's a different kind of firing off the ball you do in a zone-blocking scheme compared to a power-blocking scheme or— uh, counter blocking scheme or, or what have you uh, whenever you are trying to get that ball to that guy two or three yards off the ball and and break off to a linebacker as opposed to the you take two steps and kind of take him where he wants to go and see where the hole opens up it is a completely different style of firing off the ball and uh, that is the question for this year is that more conducive to the kinds of guys they have in the room and the kinds of strength and conditioning these guys have been doing in the offseason well chris felica college game day the bear uh, got on twitter and uh, reminded uh, the many uh, wearing red and white since 2018, five and 18 in games divided, d- decided by seven. But this is it. Minus 20. Minus 20 in turnover margin in those games. 0-7 last year with a minus 8 T.O. margin. I mean, the, the T.O., number absolutely bit you against Purdue. The T.O. number bit you against Illinois. The uh, T.O. number, where else am I going? Michigan, for God's sake. Oh, especially that final drive where it's the fumble. Mm-hmm. And Nebraska's defense isn't always giving up sudden change scores. I mean, you did against Sparty, right, with that flea flicker. But it's been the turnover that's been the backbreaker that allows someone to to get breath. Well, and then, I mean, I feel like you can even add into that number the the failed third and short conversions or fourth and short conversions. Whenever you add those in or, or a red zone trip that comes up empty. I mean, all those really factor into turnovers whenever you say, oh, it's a third and one from the 25-yard line. You can't pick it up, and now you got to... Miss a field goal. Now I send out your field goal kicker with a blindfold and a cigarette. Like, I hope hope he knocks it through. I mean, that also, even though it's not going to go down the stat book as a turnover, that counts as a turnover, too. And whenever you add those in, you're looking at, what, probably 30, 35, quote, unquote, turnovers or or change of possessions where you should have had points, you should have had something better, and you can't get those, those drives completed. I mean... It, it all factors into what we're talking about here of why we see hope for this team in 2022, despite all these things that would tell us otherwise. Well, think about that. Split up the, the minus 20. Instead of losing a possession, split half of them down the line, 10 of the 20, you at least get three. Split half of them down the line, you at least get seven. I mean, there's there's points in one-score games we're talking about, mm-hmm. where it is just a position. Vic chimes in from Denver. There's no such thing as doing football. This isn't coin flipping. It, what else do you have to say, Vic? <laughs> uh, they have to earn it. Yes, but you earn it by being in the program a while, getting comfortable, and then go winning a job. You totally right Vic about earning it and this goes back to what I'm saying eventually you're going to bring players in that gel and are good and this goes back to what what Spencer Long was saying yesterday where he he said you have to to 
trust your process and keep the faith because in the Big Ten, as a young guy, you're going to take your lumps. Are you going to have some successes? Yeah, sure. But, I mean, I even look back to Searles, a guy who had a very solid NFL career, uh, and he had to get marched out there against Von Miller against Texas A&M. And while he did hold up well, there were some plays where Von Miller really took him to the cleaners. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. You take your lumps. We're going to send this audio to Searles <laughs> as he's in Minneapolis for a bachelor party. But you, 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 take, your, uh, you, you take your lumps there, and you just got to keep the faith and say, yeah, that dude is better than me today. But I know in, in two years, I'm going to be better than those other guys that are lined up against me. Or even later this year, I'm going to take things from this game and learn and get better. And can the offensive line do that this year? Can some of the younger guys on, on the defensive front seven do that this year? That, that's the question. Well, you outgain somebody, you, you should win the ball game. You go even or plus on the turnover margin, you should win the ball game. But gift wrapping is not good before Christmas or the holiday season. And too many times in the Frost tenure, uh, a lot of it's been gift wrapped with, uh, with those turnovers. Mike Babcock is in. We'll chat with Babbers next to Tail Varsity on a Wednesday. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Calling all Storm Chasers fans. A team you never get to see is making their way to Werner Park June 7th through the 12th, and that's the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. It's the first meeting between the two franchises, and there's plenty going on that week. June 9th is the Chasers Community Celebration for Pride Night, presented by PayPal. June 10th is What If Night, where the Storm Chasers will change their name to the Hogs. A little backstory, that was a previous Omaha team and was a potential name change when the franchise was looking to rebrand. It's a battle of pigs versus hogs. You can't have a name change without new jerseys too. Specialty jerseys will be worn that night. And of course, they'll be autographed and auctioned off. Snag your favorite player June 10th and then run it back on the 11th. It's Salute to Corn Night presented by the Nebraska Corn Board. It's a celebration of all things corn. Corn on the jerseys, corn in the stands. Trust me, this game will be amazing. See you there. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. And he has been a fan of the world champ Golden State Warriors back to the 60s. That's not a new lid. That's a vintage lid. We welcome in uh, Mr. Husker football historian, author, Hall of Famer with Hale Varsity, Mike Babcock at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, where'd you get that hat? That is a bright yellow. That's canary yellow, brother. That looks good. Yeah, you know, I think I ordered it online somewhere a long time ago. Um I'd pull it out. I have another one that's uh, it's blue and it says five NBA championships. So that would be changed by now. Um, <laughs> but, I uh, love that. Does it have the? Uh, yeah. Does it have uh, Mitch Richmond or or Mullen on the back of the lid you're wearing now? <laughs> no, no. It could, Nate Thurman. No, no, no. That. Well, it's it interest. It's interesting. We're we're diving into. Uh, uh, the the logic behind well they're they're due aren't they uh, talking about Nebraska football and some of the turnover numbers uh, Tom Fornelli a CBS Sports uh, is looking at Nebraska's win total he does not have a lot of faith in Nebraska uh, he says the wins for Nebraska this year let's count them Northwestern North Dakota Georgia Southern Indiana Illinois. Minnesota, Nebraska does get to six. Um, six means you're, you're not home for the holidays. 
But if you're a Nebraska fan and you get to six, you'll take it. But, man, you, you want you want one against kind of the, the, the big two, and I guess we can say big three in the West uh, with, with the way things have gone, Mike, against Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Iowa the last few years. Yeah, well, <clears throat> that's the – that's the idea. I've seen people uh, that think that Nebraska is going to win its first nine games, uh, um, which I think is unrealistic. But, you know, the concept of do, I agree with Vic. Was it Vic? That, uh, yeah, Vic from Denver. Yeah, Vic from Denver. I, I agree with him. Um, there's nothing – has nothing to do with the do. Um, you have to uh, step up and make it happen. And the thing that – that would be concerning, I think, is that we're looking at last season and how that defense played and how close Nebraska was to those games, one-score games, turn it around. But now that defense has to be rebuilt uh, to some extent as well. So now you've got a defense that had you got to find some guys up front that have to step up and be comfortable and get the job done. You've got the offensive line that's got to be due, um, that's got to step up and and establish some things. You've got to identify a running back and from a group of really good ones. We've talked about that. Um, there are just so many questions about, and it, that isn't even including special teams. I mean, special teams has got to get better, and uh, you're right. It'd be nice if DeMorne personnel had another season of eligibility with the Huskers that he could just stick around and and, uh, and maybe Tommy Armstrong could throw one of those Hail Mary passes or hmm. whatever um, instead of uh, dude I'd take uh, Tommy's Tommy had a Tommy had a really good career in Lincoln underrated thrower yeah. really good uh, mobile guy at quarterback I'd take Tommy at quarterback in two seconds <laughs> plug, yeah plug yeah, him in I would too and Deontay in the secondary yeah. got um but, you know, it's some of it is what most programs, you know, if you're talking, if you're, you're Kansas State and you got Adrian Martinez comes down there, I'm sure the Kansas State's talking about the same kinds of things that Nebraska's talking about. Northwestern's talking about the same things that Nebraska's talking about. Iowa's talk, talking about the same. Every program at this time of year, is talking about, well, if we can get this together, you know, things can be, we can be successful. And uh, Nebraska just has not had in recent seasons anything, a basis for saying, you know, we're going to get over the, get over that line and we're going to be back to where we once were. And most of the, the young fans, they don't even remember what that was. The guys that are being recruited, they don't remember what that was. Um, We do. Um, because we saw some of it. I saw a lot of it, but I can't look at this upcoming season in that context is what I'm saying. Mike Babcock's with us from Hale Varsity Magazine, HaleVarsity.com, at MD Babs on Twitter is where you follow him. Babbers will be at the yearbook release party tomorrow night up in La Vista. That's at the Hale Varsity Club. You're invited up there for that uh, great festivities. We'll be on the air four to six, and then 
the uh, party and autograph sessions 6 to 8. So uh, log on, hailvarsityclub.com, uh, get a seat, come say hi, come hungry, come thirsty. Mike, it's it's interesting to take the good from last year, like you were talking about, the defense, and just hope hope to transport it for a year, even though it's not the same thing coming back. You have some pieces of that in a Garrett Nelson, in a Caleb Tanner, in a Ty Robinson, in uh, two really good inside backers, in Henrich and Reimers. And then uh, you've got Farmer, who has been an impact guy when he's been called upon. But there's some of those newer pieces that you're going to ask a lot of, uh, be it uh, an Oshan or a Win or a Drew. Uh, you need another body on the inside because both those inside kids played so many snaps and performed, but they also played banged up quite a bit. And then the secondary, you're also looking to replace a Cam Taylor Britt and that do everything in JoJo. Do you like Nebraska's candidates? I think it's a big ask to replicate the the level of play that Cam Taylor Britt and JoJo Doman performed at, but I think you can get solid performances to where you're not weak at those spots. Is that fair? No, I think that's right. And it, and it is good that you've got guys coming back from that defense because they understand you got to believe in yourself and you've got guys that do that. And you've got a great leader in Garrett Nelson. I mean, he's a very enthusiastic. I mean, he, he's made the steps. He's done the kinds of things that you've talked about. He's, he's started out. He had his, had some issues, but he was in there. He was always hustling. He's always going hundred miles an hour. Um, given everything he had, and now he's at the he's at I think he's at all conference level, um, and he understands he's leadership. You got the inside linebackers. You've got guys that have gone through it and understand, and can provide that. The people that are coming in, or the people that are going to try to fit into the system. The one thing that I wonder, whether it's Nebraska or where, any place, is again. How do guys who come in from the transfer portal, how quickly can they assimilate? How quickly can they understand and be a part of what needs to be done in in order to be successful? That's the thing that's difficult for me to understand. Um, You know, how is that going to fit in? Well, well, Mike, even despite all all this turnover, I feel like among Husker Nation, there is more confidence in the defense than in the offense. And uh, I think part of that is because of the uh, the Eric Chenander effect. You look at the next man up mentality the defense had last year where uh, Braxton Clark would step up and and give good minutes uh, uh, in that secondary. And you had Chris Kolarovich who stepped up and and uh, provided good snaps whenever uh, either Henrich or, or Reimer went down. And uh, I think that's kind of why there is so much confidence in the defense. It's it's less so the guys that are being brought in to, to come and fill places and more what Eric Chenander has been able to do with his defense over the past couple of years. Yeah, I, I give Chenander a lot of credit and the fact that uh, when changes were made in the coaching staff, they weren't made on defense, they were made on offense. So you've got that continuity of, of the of the coaches and I think that's I think that's really important. That's going to be one of the things too, is to look at how does that happen on offense when you've got a bunch of new coaches. Now I know you've gone through spring, um, you've got you'll have fall camp, and and they're learning. The players are learning how to relate to these coaches, but it's it's a it's a significant change. And uh, you know, same way with special teams. Now you got a special teams coach just strictly dedicated to that. Um, how is that going to make a difference? 
Um, certainly hope so, because that's been an area that has been a problem for a while. And you've got to, you know, it it's literally is one third of the game. You've got to, you've got to have some success on special teams in order to get this thing to where you feel like what you're due is going to happen. Mike Babcock's with us. Hail Varsity Magazine, hailvarsity.com, the yearbook release party tomorrow night at the Hale Varsity Club in La Vista. Come see us. Come say hi. Autograph session with some former Huskers 6 to 8. Radio show there 4 to 6 to get you kicked off. So four hours of fun. Babbers, as we wind down, I know you have a, just an incredible feature coming up in the yearbook with, with Barrett Rood. Grateful Dead, the topic. A playlist exists. That's incredible. Some other things that, that folks, you can kind of tease for folks, if you don't mind, uh, with the yearbook uh, as uh, that'll be released. And, I mean, we're almost here. We're almost July. And uh, what is it, 65 days, 66 days till till kickoff. As, uh, again, we're, uh, we're referencing uh, Shawshank Redemption while we're just marking off another day till we get released, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it, it's – I like the way Brandon Vogel has approached the capsules on the opponents, you know, and, and – and that includes all the teams in the Big Ten, um, and and Nebraska's non-conference opponents as well. Um, he's got a unique way of looking at that. That's good. Um, and and speaking of unique, Jacob, and you know, obviously, Garrett Nelson, um, he's a, he's a great subject for 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 the uh, for the cover of the magazine. But Jacob uh, Padilla has a, I think it's really interesting. Um, some Huskers did a charity basketball game and, uh, and they played uh, three different team, three different teams in this thing. And Jacob evaluates each of the Nebraska players. Um, and you know how Jacob is with basketball all over. It. Um, and it's really, he, he doesn't, I told him after I read it, uh, I was going through and editing and I told him, I said, you know, it's going to be difficult to get any one-on-one interviews with some of these guys because <laughs> you're pretty hard on the, your evaluation of them as basketball players. Um, it, it's really unique uh, kind of a thing. Pa- pass up the shot, pass and find and find the open man, right? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, you know, there's a, there's a little uh, mug shot of the, of the player and then there's, there's Jacob and he, he doesn't pull any punches on his evaluation of <laughs> players. And he's such a, such a knowledgeable basketball person anyway um that that's really interesting and then you know we've got uh, uh uh other everything in there is is i think is a special uh kind of thing you know that uh, uh greg's feature on apple white and mm-hmm. and steve did the uh uh oh geez now i'm drawing a blank on the on the player that he did the the focus on uh, quentin newsom okay um and uh, yeah, it's just uh, from front to back, it's it's uh, it's really a nice, I think, uh, way to, to prepare for the season. And Mike, you uh, got to give yourself some credit here too. I, I texted some of my friends; they were off at uh, the the Dead and Company show in Boulder this week, and I said, "You got to check out Mike's uh, story on Barrett Root, how much he loves the Grateful Dead." And they all wanted a copy. <laughs> it's really, you know, I think we said this before, but but Barrett has like he said he has like. 500 um, CDs, you know, uh, uh, from concerts, Grateful Dead concerts. And when he bought his car, he had to 
have a CD player installed because they don't they don't put them in there. Um, so I can listen to those things. Mike Babcock with his Babbers. We will see you tomorrow night, bud. Thanks for a few minutes today. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Be safe. Calling all soccer fans. Union Omaha is back home after an unbelievable showing in the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup round of 16. An upset over Minnesota United? That's our team. So join them when they come home May 28th for Educational Outreach Night. Presented by Bellevue University. The Owls will face Northern Colorado Hailstorm FC and after a couple of road matches will come back on June 18th to face Greenville Triumph SC. It's also Pride Night. We'll see you there. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. We will get uh, an Avs lightning breakdown from one Elijah Herbal. He is not wearing any Avs gear tonight. So I don't know if he's nervous about things going 2-2 or not. We'll get there in a minute. Uh, We'll talk recruiting in 20 minutes or so with Greg Smith and then Charlie McBride next hour. So Nebraska right now, you have some real work going on the recruiting trail. You've got uh, Sia from Utah where Nebraska is fighting uh, Virginia for him. You have Dontravius Braswell at running back, South Carolina, Louisville, Nebraska. That's the three-team race. Malachi Coleman, Nebraska, Michigan is the arm wrestling match right there. O'Marion Miller, commit to LSU for a time, uh, was recently in Lincoln as uh, he is considering Nebraska Maverick Noonan versus it's Nebraska v. Stanford there. You have Tuioti that uh, did his official Oregon, tweeted out some Oregon stuff today. So it's between Nebraska and Oregon. Of course, Dad's at Oregon. Mario Buford, Arkansas and Nebraska. Of course, Buford's brother is here. Uh, Davon Hall, the stud out of Bell West. It's Nebraska, Iowa. And then Navario Sunke, he's out of Brandon, South Dakota. Uh, I think Nebraska is uh, in it with uh, South Dakota State. I mean, the, the Jacks are, are up there. He's offensive lineman. Uh, I think Riley Sheriff, does that sound right? He uh, he might have been a Brandon, South Dakota guy that ended up at Iowa. Uh, long-time NFL tackle, high-level player, a couple, three monster contracts. He was supposed to be in on Callahan in 07, ended up going to Iowa. But that's kind of where we're at. Nebraska, of course, getting a pretty big-time commitment yesterday uh, out of Colorado. Yeah, the inside linebacker uh, you're referring to there. And was what was that Sheriff's name? Was it? It's Riley, I think. Is it, is, it, is it Brandon? I think there's a Brandon and a Riley. I don't know. Uh, he He's played a lot of different spots and has a lot of pheasant hunting land in South Dakota. Hayden Moore, though, pretty big-time uh, linebacker get for Nebraska. We'll know more from Greg Smith on him here as he spoke with Moore yesterday. You know, I'm curious to, to ask... Greg, I mean, really just what's happening along the, 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 the offense line and the defensive line because Nebraska did well in the transfer portal in both of those spots, but hasn't necessarily translated to, to recruiting. Uh, I mean, you, we did have uh, Sam Sledge in the class mm-hmm. uh, as well as, why am I drawing a blank on the name? We just talked to him like two weeks ago. The two weeks ago, offense lineman uh, Scott's Bluff. Oh, yeah, 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 Brock. Brock Knudsen. Yeah, I, yeah. I, 
my apologies, but Nebraska's done well there. I'm kind of curious what, what else is going to be coming down through the pipeline because, as we've heard so many times before, you, you can't build up a team, let alone an offense line or a defense line, just through transfer portal guys. Really got to do that work in the uh, in the recruiting world. So I'm curious to see what, what Nebraska's doing there. It's all right. Uh, you just got to get those guys. And listen, not every lineman's going to hit. That's mm-hmm. That's so key to be able to – supplement through the walk-on program or through juco or now through the portal you got to have guys that that eventually develop and contribute and you want contributors to turn to starters you want starters to turn into all conference or fringe but be solid i mean we'd kill for another guy in another year from a guy like ben stilly right local product that Play played athletically enough on the outside and then put on some weight and was vicious and so dependable and good on the inside. Uh, it's easier said than done. And you see it. You see struggles. You see struggles. Why was Clemson bad last year? Air quote bad for them because they're playing a bunch of redshirt freshmen and redshirt sophomores. It's just not feasible to reload every year. You're going to have a a step back year, and you pray your step back years ten and three, well, yeah, and, second in the league, and especially in the Big Ten. What, what you need along those lines of scrimmage is guys who are NFL type players, uh, guys who they might not be NFL type players now, but two years down the road they're going to be an NFL prospect, a guy who's going to hear his name called the draft. That's what you need in the Big Ten, just because of what the other teams have. You got to have that, and really the odds that you find one of those guys in the transfer portal are low because the guys who are already NFL guys, what what point do they have in transferring there's a couple exceptions obviously but offense line is one of the 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 bigger places in the transfer portal where you're going to struggle to find real day one type of talent to step in and make a contribution for you especially in a conference like the the big 10 so that's why you got to have wins in the recruiting world along those offensive and defensive lines talk to me about uh, game number four tonight in the stanley cup finals to be on uh, abc tonight so i will check some of that out avs lead two to one you know, it was going to come back to earth a little bit for for the Avs after uh, the, the touchdown shutout against uh, the Lightning. Uh, Colorado minus 110 tonight is, um, well, we'll see. Uh, you've got an incredible goaltender that has been peppered and bludgeoned, quite honestly, by the Avs offense. The Lightning, their problem is uh, is offense. I mean, it's it's been it's been offense, and you need a lot of offense to beat the Abs. You, you're not going to win games two to one or three to one even against Colorado. You're going to need to put four or five goals up, and uh, you got shut out because it was no pun intended, but it was just an avalanche of, of what they did offensively. Uh, when it comes to they did uh, in, uh, in in with the with the uh, the penalty. Uh, with the penalty minutes, the Avs were, were really good. They took advantage early on, got momentum. They were good on the uh, on the net with the offensive putbacks, mm-hmm. a couple of the scores there. I mean, those, those quick follow-up, second, third shots when there's a flurry around the goal. And then even uh, when it comes to some of their, their passing and the breakaways, I mean, the Avs were able to, to, to flex 
all they wanted offensively on an incredible goalie. You feeling good, or does this thing get tied tonight? I'm feeling pretty solid. Nikita Kucherov is going to be playing tonight for the Tampa Bay Lightning, even though he's got a little bit banged up last game. That's the Two of their studs to, are hurt, but they're playing. It's a storyline to watch. Yeah, Nikita Kucherov and Nick Paul. Braden Point remains out. That would be huge if they can get uh, him back this series. As for the Avalanche, it looks like Nazem Kadri is in line to get at least some playing time tonight. Unsure if it's going to be up to his usual standards, but he was hurt against Edmonton, had wrist surgery, and is now going to be back in the lineup. Uh, Darcy Kemper, after a bad game three, is also going to be back in net. Uh, that's a storyline to watch as well. Might be a shorter leash, but I feel good about the Avalanche. Their uh, power play has been great. Their penalty kill has been really good as well, and uh, if they can uh, generate some more penalties uh, and, and get some more power play opportunities tonight, I, I give them a, a great chance to win just because Tampa Bay is not going to have that conversion rate that they had last game all series. Well, you have McKinnon, too, trying to pull out his own scoring drought. We'll wind down our one. It's Hale Varsity. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, it's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Greg Smith on deck to talk some crouton with us. Excited to hear from Greg and also Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride will be with us. A jock talk with Dr. Doug Davis. What's the uh, word on Manny Machado? It was awesome to see him in. Uh, Colorado, I about said mile high at Coors. See him at Coors was was awesome. He went yard that game, uh, and <laughs> then he jacked his ankle uh, the, the the day after. We're going to blame Junior on that. Some sort of hex. Reminder to get buckled up, hands on the wheel, eyes in mind, straight ahead. The driver has one job to drive. This message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So when you watch hockey, do you get into that mode, Elijah, like a lot of Nebraska fans do, where you kind of lock yourself? There's one of two ways to watch. You're in a big group. And you, you love it. There's beer, there's peanuts, there's munchies, and everyone's having a good old time. Or do you get to that dark side where there is some extended passion, things may break, and you have to go watch quietly, or not quietly, but at least isolated by yourself because you're afraid that others may be harmed? Um, it, it, it You've goes been to both probably ways. both it, stages. It, it depends on the, the pressure uh, around the game. So for the game moment. one, ga- game one, I made sure to watch that game solo because I knew there'd be stress. Game three the other night, I knew if, well, if the Avs lose this one, it's it's on the road. It's okay. I decided to watch that one with friends. Um, and uh, I'll actually be locked here in the, the studios here tonight for a salt dog. So it's game. on your phone. I'll, I'll, I'll pull it up on the computer. Okay. I got mm-hmm. the YouTube TV. I'll pull it up and... Uh, whenever I have to do some scoreboard updates for the Salt Dogs baseball games, they're just going to lead with a, hockey. They're just going to get a big dose <laughs> of hockey. Going around the league, NHL Stanley Cup Finals, Abs 4, Lightning 1. Back to you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's actually fun. last week, uh, the overtime game, I was actually locked in here as well. And uh, whenever the Abs pulled that thing out in overtime, I was the only person here. So I was just running up and down the halls like. Were you really? Yeah, no joke. That's awesome, man. No joke. I couldn't contain my happiness because we're, we're in the bottom of the seventh inning. I got through my scoreboard update, and I knew. Got the speakers loud enough. I'll know if we'll go to an inning, but I'll, I'll just uh, – sorry, a, uh, a break. I'll just uh, <laughs> run up and down the halls for a second and get all my, my joy out. So it was, it was a good night last week. Hoping for another good night tonight. And uh, if the Avs are up 3-1, maybe we'll go back for, for game five to watch with some friends, and hopefully I can revel in the, the Avs lifting the Stanley Cup uh, with some friends. If it goes to 2-2, you better believe I'm watching Game 5 solo. So when it comes to the, the series, forgive me, is it 2-2 two, 
two one right now. The Avs are on top. No, I know that. I know the the breakdown. But is it two two one one one? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So they they actually went to that model before the NBA did, where the NBA was stuck for a long time doing the two the three two. Yeah. Which was brutal a terrible way to do playoff series in my humble opinion yeah that hockey is the two two one 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 so two games here in tampa bay this is the second game in tampa mm-hmm. bay back in denver for game five and then game seven will be in denver as well they win tonight you're hopping a train aren't you I'll, I'll hop on a train for the the parade ceremony because you don't have to buy tickets for the parade you just show up you just show up i i still can't afford those stanley cup finals to their uh to their version of the rail yard which was jam i mean we didn't end up going down to that market area, mm-hmm. we stayed at, at Jackson's rooftop and kept pouring, pouring coors. But checking it out, seeing some pictures. I mean, we're talking thirty thousand jammed in there to watch their giant cube. Yep, and it was really cool. Mm-hmm. It was really awesome. Uh, we will spend some time get you caught up on the recruiting front with Greg Smith. Charlie McBride, all happening next hour with Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Schmitty. Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years? FSC. The FSC Edge, it's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone, you're not customer-facing, it's casual dress, and the work environment it's a new environment with over two million dollars in improvements you have access to generous benefits packages company support for health and wellness and you do impactful work on a national scale make a difference their team's constantly growing and they're always looking for new people to join their mission. Check out what's available today at jobs at fsc.com. Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it at Tail Varsity Radio. Hour two kick it off with recruiting insider Greg Smith. Greg Smith will be at the Hale Varsity Club tomorrow. We are kicking things off for the six a road show with Hale Varsity. Then some uh, former Huskers going to be by and a lot of staff with Hale Varsity Magazine. And Greg, uh, man, it's going to be awesome to see you up at the club. A lot of recruiting news to, to get into. I'm sure the the readers will stop by and, and maybe even ask for a signature next to, to DPE, Tommy Armstrong, and and whoever else is there. I tell you what, uh, pretty big uh, release party tomorrow night for the yearbook. Before we get into recruiting, who did you uh, kind of focus in on? What was your feature? You, you had a lot to do in the yearbook, but let's start there with uh, what you nailed down. 
Yeah, so yeah, really exciting time with that launch party uh, for the yearbook at the Old Varsity Club uh, tomorrow. Really excited about that. Come say hello. Uh, come meet us. I don't know if you quite want my autograph next to those guys, uh, but if you feel so inclined, that's fine, too. I, I won't uh, judge you too hard. Uh, Brian Applewhite is who I uh, focused in on uh, for this year's yearbook, and so what, had, what interested me about him, and this is, man, I started working on this really back during spring football, um, and really it started during his initial roundtable. I sat with him during that assistant deal um, and was really struck by just his passion for football, just the way that he explains things and how he just seemed to quickly relate to everyone, right? And so I, I kind of had the idea, like, what, well, let's go inside of that a little bit and see what kind of makes him tick. And what I found was is that it's really a love for learning, education, and teaching um, that really has driven his coaching style and his ability to pick things up at all of the stops that he's been at throughout his career. He's had a lot of success, um, but he's also taken things from each of those stops to continue to mold himself into a better coach. He has been uh, such a, a tremendous asset to whatever program he's been with. I think of uh, what type of player you got to be for the great Joe Glenn, yep. and and that's absolutely both of those guys are you know one and the same with you know the first coaching gig. That uh, that Coach Applewhite got being with uh, with Joe Glenn, and and of course playing for Joe, winning some national championships at Northern Colorado, and you know I, I was right there with you as far as the wow factor with Brian Applewhite, and he is really, I mean he's a star, he's a star position coach, but but Greg, is it fair to say I think he's a star as a recruiter? Yeah, absolutely, and that's been the thing that it's, it's been funny to see this unfold as kind of I've had this story in my pocket and been working mm-hmm. on it to see the kind of the perception of Brian Applewhite change, right? And I kind of understand how we got here, right? When you have Mickey Joseph and Bill Bush come full-time on the staff, they get a lot of the attention, and rightfully so, because of their resumes. But, oh, by the way, you had Brian Applewhite that was just quietly doing work during those uh, contact periods and now uh, during this official visit time where, you know, he's he come to find out he's got a lot of connections down in Texas. He's got a lot of connections in Louisiana. A lot of those kids that, you know, you see Mickey Joseph recruiting Brian Applewhite also has a hand in that uh, because he's just got, he's so well connected and respected down there. Um, yeah, I think Nebraska got a really good, fantastic coach and a very good recruiter as well in Applewhite. Greg Smith with us talking uh, Hale Varsity Yearbook and also recruiting at Greg Smith HV on Twitter. Straight Up Breakdown is his podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. You know, this is it fair to say that that Applewhite is as big an asset as Nebraska's had in Texas since Tim Beck? Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think that that's fair. Um, and when you spend as much time down there as he has, you don't, you're going to have those connections. And why that's so important, and it kind of goes back to why a part of the reason why Tim Beck was so good down in Texas is being a former Texas high school coach down there. He had the respect of the other coaches. You know that you just don't do work down in Texas in high school recruiting if you don't have the respect of the high school coaches. It's a really close-knit community of coaches as well, even with how big that state is. Um, and Applewhite definitely commands that respect. I'm going back to multiple stops, but definitely his time at TCU um, where, you know, he told me that, you know, they're looking for kids at TCU that, you know, were, were not necessarily had the, the big name on their chest, the school they were coming from. They were looking at projecting guys and obviously had a great track record with Gary Patterson there. And I think that earned you a lot of respect on the recruiting trail. Greg, uh, Nebraska able to get to Colorado for the latest commit. 
Hayden Moore, linebacker, 6'3", 210. Guy was a demon as a junior, over 111 tackles, 16 and a half DFLs. That includes uh, quite a few sacks. What What's his comp? Who does he remind you of that's uh, either in or been in the Nebraska program? You know, he actually reminds me a little bit of Nick Henrich, a guy that was piling up tackles at Omaha Burke um, and has, and when healthy, has done the same thing in Nebraska. Kind of a guy that's a plus athlete uh, at the inside linebacker spot. And I know that, you know, Hayden talked to me about the ability to play a couple of sports at Nebraska. He's also a standout baseball player. He's got a 90 plus mile per hour fastball. Um, so that'll get you some looks as well. And he does want the opportunity to do that, but that is not the end of the world if he ends up focusing on football. Uh, but I think that he's a really good get in a, in a border state that Nebraska, I think, needs to be able to just kind of reach over into every cycle and, and grab a guy or two uh, because Colorado, the University of Colorado, seems to not be able to really keep those guys home. So Nebraska might as well reach over and grab a couple. Nebraska picking up the linebacker commit, Greg. But, Greg, he wasn't the linebacker we were talking about when, when we had you on the show last week. We were talking about Phil Picotti. So uh, I'm kind of wondering what this commitment means for the recruitment of Phil Picotti. Is that going to be a, a back burner guy now? Or is he still a priority? No, I would I would call him a back burner. I think he's definitely a priority, but it's going to be interesting now because you've got a situation where Phil has got a lot of options. Um, all of these guys do too. Um, you got Dylan Rogers out of Texas, who also, you know, looking at Texas, looking at Missouri, and he was here this past weekend, um, along with Hayden Moore, who was starting to get uh, some real looks for, who got an offer from Iowa and Michigan here recently. So Nebraska did a good job to land him before that really took off. But now I don't think that Phil is on the back burner. I think at this point Nebraska is looking at taking one more inside linebacker, um, and I, w- I would count on it being either Phil Picciotti or uh, Dylan Rogers, who was just here. We'll see if they can get Rogers to move up this timeline. I think he initially wanted to wait until into the season to make a decision, but once guys start snatching up spots, and you're seeing that all over the country, it seems like there's been a huge run of recruitments this week, um, it, because that game of musical chair speeds up a little bit. That music does tend to slow, right, because of the portal, <laughs> and it's been a trickle-down, uh, not just at quarterback, but some some key spots. They're all key spots in the world of recruiting, but it used to be, do you go JUCO or do you go high school? Now it's, do you look to, to, to the portal? Then do you look to JUCO? Then do you look to high school? you got to build your program, obviously, through high school. But from a supplementation standpoint, uh, you've got some guys uh, that are already watered, you know what I mean, compared to right. the development phase. What is, uh, what is Hayden's strength, in your opinion, from a film standpoint? Yeah, I think he's a good sideline to sideline player. He's got good instincts. Um, he, he flies for the football as well. Um, you don't, you know, pick up 111 tackles or so, you know, in high school without being able to, to really have good reads and have good instincts and make good plays on the football. Uh, and so those are the things I really like about him. But I think that him and Barrett Rude have a really solid relationship. Uh, Barrett Rude doing a really solid job with those linebackers that were in town this weekend. And he's, you know, really kind of stepped up his game on the recruiting trail as well. Greg Smith with his few minutes, Hale Varsity Radio at Greg Smith HV. And, of course, the yearbook uh, release party tomorrow at the Hale Varsity Club. Come see us up in La Vista. Uh, great food and drink. Uh, some ex-Huskers going to be there. And all of the Hale Varsity staff should be a lot of fun. Some of the other names that, that kind of wowed you, you, you touched on Dylan Rogers. How's uh, Ryan Robinson grab you? Touch on Treshawn Wilson. A couple of other guys. I know 17 in all came in last weekend. 
Yeah, it's been a boy. It's been a really busy time uh, for Nebraska football recruiting, and that's kind of an understatement, right? I think that both cornerbacks, um, Robinson and Wilson, both had good weekends. I think that they're a little bit. Well, Wilson is a little bit different than some of the other defensive backs that Travis Fisher has uh, really recruited hard here at his time in Nebraska. He was about five nine, and he's smaller, uh, but boy, he's got some speed on him. Um, and then Ryan Rodgers is a kid uh, from. Texas that Nebraska really likes quite a bit, um, and he seemed to have a really good weekend as well. I do think that they're going to add one more defensive back to go along with uh Dwight Boodle, who's already in the class, who was also here this weekend, um, who definitely had his peer recruiting hat on. Uh, we'll just have to see kind of where things land because, you know, Travis Fisher always has an ace or two up his sleeve. Greg, tell us a, a little about the guys that are going to be coming up here in this upcoming weekend. I'm um, seeing a couple guys that should, could be playing along that defensive front. Cameron Leonard from IMG Academy. I'm also seeing Trey Wilson and Dylan Fontes. Do, do I have my names right here? And, uh, and who else could be coming this weekend? So I, I know for sure that Cameron Linhart is coming this weekend from IMG because he told me that last week. Um, the other two, I'm still trying to figure out like what's happening there. The thing about this coming weekend is that it's going to kind of be fluid, um, and I think it's going to be a smaller weekend. Well, I know it's going to be a smaller weekend than the, than the last couple, um, in part because, and part of it is a good thing, part of it is that Nebraska has had a real good success um, with these early uh, recruiting visits that they've had, and I think that they are in line to get more commitments from guys that have already visited. The other thing is, is I do think that you're right about the defensive linemen coming in because I think that they want to focus in on a need, which is defensive line needs to be restocked. I think after we saw what happened kind of this offseason with them having to go into the portal, we're a little unsure about the depth of the youth in that room. So you need to continue to add guys. Riley Van Poppel was a good, really good first start for that room, but they need one or two more coming up. Um, and Cameron Lenhart, by the way, a four-star kid at IMG Academy um, would be a really nice get the Huskers getting a, a real good prospect on campus to, to make their move with this weekend. Nebraska has Brock Bando from, from IMG, and uh, that's really been the extent. That's typically where uh, a Clemson will go, uh, yeah. a Georgia will go, uh, the U. Uh, who else am I leaving out? Ohio, State. Ohio State's been really good. Yeah. And Michigan, too. Michigan's been pretty big yeah. in IMG, but who is Nebraska's in down there? Is it Mickey? Is it Bush? Is or is it kind of a collaboration? I would assume that it's a collaboration. That's a great question. I'll have to find that out for sure. But I would assume that it's a collaboration, um, and maybe a guy like Travis Fisher is involved um, with that being, you know, with the school being down in Florida. But some of that too is, is that guys come from all over the country uh, to go to that school. So you just never know if a coach, has, if a Husker coach, has a connection with his former high school coach or anything like that. Which I think that that kind of trickiness of that situation is what tends to make it difficult for Nebraska. Um, um, and then you just get the who's who of college football coming in and trying to pluck guys out of there. Greg, going to switch gears as we're 65 days away from Dublin and because uh, the countdown is going on. We're Andy Dufresne here marking off another day on the uh, the old calendar till till we kick off. Who is uh, who's the, the, the key guy for you on the defensive side of the ball for Nebraska? Boy, that's a tough one because my my initial thought is Oshawn Mathis. Um, 
But Ty Robinson is someone that, you know, we kind of pencil in as a guy who could be an all-Big Ten-level player, but we haven't seen that consistently from him. Um, so I kind of think of it as, listen, if this guy were to, like, elevate his game, who has the biggest impact on the defense? And I think that's Ty, um, especially with some of the concerns I have about their run defense going into the season. So I'm going to go Ty Rob. Is it Casey for you on offense? Yeah, yeah, I feel like it has to be um, the quarterback. If you if you exclude quarterback, um, it, it's got to be an offensive lineman from me, uh, and maybe Bryce Benhart, uh, who just fascinates me to see if he can re- return to his kind of freshman year form um, and even take a couple steps forward from there. Because if he can hold down that right tackle spot, I think that there's a domino effect on that offensive line that could be really positive. Greg, in the same vein, can you give me a, a position or position group on each side of the ball where you're a little dubious going into this season? It's wait and see mode before you, but before you buy the stock. Yeah, I think that. Well, boy, it's tough. Offensive line would probably still be the pick for me. Um, on the offense, I, I just want to see it happen. I think that they've got plenty to work with in that group. It's whether or not it can all come together and whether or not everyone is healthy um, up front as well, right? And then on the defensive side, boy, I'm going to pro- probably stay on the line of scrimmage and say that defensive line. I, I mentioned Ty Robinson, how important he is, um, and you've got to keep him healthy as well. But I need to see those guys in that rotation up front, um, including the new tra- incoming transfers, be able to do it in the Big Ten and do it on a consistent basis. Um, the lines of scrimmage are just going to be huge for Nebraska this year. Okay, tomorrow night the Lakers get to add to their roster. Who do you want the Lake Show to be drafting? Boy, I haven't thought about it. Um, we'll have to see. Because uh, really all of my focus as it relates to the Lakers has been on getting rid of Russell Westbrook. Um, so I, I don't care who they draft as long as they figure out a way to get old number zero out of town. Like, I'm ready for that. Would you ship Russell for Kyrie? I would begrudgingly do that with a heavy sigh, um, but I'm telling you that the stress I would have relying on Kyrie and Anthony Davis to show up to work on a consistent basis um, <laughs> is already blow, like rises my blood pressure. Uh, old Anthony Day to Davis, pair him up with Kyrie. Yeah, like and the, the question for me is. Can you have LeBron James and Kyrie Irving work together again? It worked for a couple years in Cleveland, but that relationship got pretty strained by the end. Yeah, it did, but I think Kyrie's ready. To, might be ready to admit that mistake. Like I do think that there's some patchwork that can be done there. Uh, but it's funny, man. Anthony Davis, uh, like Kyrie, ever played 103 regular season games uh, so far in his time during with Brooklyn. Over that same span, Anthony Davis 138. So neither of them available exactly available. I think that's out of 200 something, by the way. Neither of them available enough. I think you call Vladi and and, and uh, Big Game James and see if they uh, they got any more minutes left in them. <laughs> you got to do something, right? The, the window is rapidly closing on uh, one LeBron James. Give me the Marlboro man back. Greg Smith with us, recruiting insider, HaleVarsity.com and magazine, Hale Varsity Yearbook Party. Tomorrow night, come see us uh, at uh, the Hale Varsity Club, La Vista, where you'll find us. Greg, thanks for the time. Hey, thank you all. You guys have to be able to see Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show 
podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back into it at Tower 2, it's Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We say hi to Mr. Blackshirt. Charlie McBride joins us. Coach, how you dealing with the heat up there? <laughs> I don't know, but my grandson's from Arizona and they sent him home. He's working over at the golf course cutting weeds and they sent him home yesterday and he couldn't believe it. And they said it was too hot to work. And he, <laughs> he's from Arizona. He said, you don't know what hot is, you know. So he said, the bad thing about it is I got two hours cut on my pay. <laughs> well, he didn't believe it. So, but that's what happened. Well, it's uh, better safe than sorry. So this time of year, are you more, were you more of a fisherman? Are you more of a fisherman? Do you still water ski? Did you like water ski? And how would you spend a, a few moments. Well, the, wind, the wind has actually been too bad for anybody to really do anything. I mean, it's been rough, really rough. The weather's been great. Mm-hmm. And the wind has been just, you know, at the lake, it's been pretty tough. Um, so a lot of people haven't done it. And, and uh, I had a couple of kids that I, I recruited and coached up at uh, the University of Wisconsin came by and yeah, they're funny. They they brought a bunch of sandwiches from a deli in Chicago. <laughs> they came up for the day just to, you know, just to talk. I hadn't seen them in, you know, quite a while. So, and they came up to spent the day with me. Well, that's that sounds fun. And they brought you some uh, Chicago goodness. It sounds like yeah. those deli sandwiches. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> from well, the Italian alley. <laughs> well, that sounds that sounds great. Well, coach, we're we're not far away from uh, from Big Ten media days, and then before we know it, fall camp will start, and then hello, Ireland is here. And I wanted to dive into uh, you know a, a couple of topics. One, and this was an interesting ESPN article. Uh, what what a good college football program does to go from uh, good to to great or elite and I wanted to get your thoughts on the the really good years you had in Lincoln and then what mm-hmm. what made it elite going from 10 and 2 which was elite in college football to, to really really good how did you guys even get better than you were if that makes sense to to go Go get those championships. What was the difference between ten and two, eleven and one, and undefeated? Well, a lot of times it's the age of the players that've been around. You know, it's the experience. It's mm. the difference. You know, a lot of the uh, the, the kids that never they always uh, I always told them, you know, don't ever say anything. You got to take back. So, you know, they they were pretty quiet about you know people trying to maybe make them sound better than they they were mm-hmm. you know at the time and uh you know they just played i mean it wasn't a matter of 
how good you were or anything like that. They didn't, they just played together so well. Uh, you know, there wasn't any, there was always one guy that's, you know, on a list to be, you know, get, get awards and stuff like that. But they never talked about it. They never, never paid much attention to any of that stuff. And, you know, they all were, they all were there when they were supposed to be there working out and doing stuff like that. And so I think, I think that was something that they felt, you know, obligated to do, uh, to keep up the, the, you know, tradition of winning and, and getting better. Mm -hmm. You know, I, that's, that's always been in everything, you know, that I think a good, good team does is doesn't stay with the status quo. Usually if, you know, if you don't try to get better, then you usually aren't going to get better and you're going to get beat. Always trying to be better. Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride with us. Hail Varsity Radio. Uh, Monday with Charlie. Wednesday, we were in Colorado, Coach, for, for baseball this weekend. And we were down in uh, in good old, uh, uh, not Durango, but uh, Castle Rock. Castle Rock. And yeah. uh, one of my my dad's favorite Huskers was uh, was Mike Knox from Castle Rock. Right, right, that's right. Mike Mike was Mike was the really an interesting kid. We <laughs> we um, uh, of course coming from Colorado, you know, he he, he knows the, pretty much of the background of the school and and uh, apparently I, I don't know how hard they recruited him, yeah. but. He happened to be on the trip that we played as a freshman, and uh, what I remember, we they they scored on a kickoff, okay, and then we got the ball and fumbled and ball and fumbled and it was um, it, you know down near the goal line and they got the ball and and scored again fourteen to nothing, and uh, you know I said something to the effect we're going to get our you know what kicked and. Mike was standing behind me and Mike turned around and said, coach, he said, we're not going to get our butts kicked. He said, this is Colorado. <laughs> it was one like 50 something to 14. I don't know what it was, but, but it was, uh, you know, but that's, you know, here out of a freshman to hear that it was kind of interesting. And Mike was always, you know, really a good player. And, you know, the other guy that came from Colorado was Mark Mumford hmm. and I, they didn't. It seemed like, if I remember right, they weren't. They really didn't recruit them that hard. And boy, they both of them were woof, really good linebackers. Man, they played great football for you. Speaking with uh, the Colorado theme, staying with the Colorado theme, I was looking at some some facts and numbers that are out because Memorial Stadium turns 100 this year, and against Colorado in 1983. The scoring explosion scored 48 points in mm -hmm. about three minutes and 40 seconds of game time. You were on the sidelines for that. I think you had a defensive score mixed in as well. But you, you ever Did you ever think you'd see something like that where you put up half a hundred in a four-minute period? I mean, it was like a you know two-point no. ball game at, at halftime and – and then all of a sudden, the offense, the defense, everyone got going against the Buffs. Yeah, I, you know, I that it, that's just one of those things in sports that happens. I mean, you know, everything for a team goes wrong, and it just snowballs. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
we've seen a little bit of that ourselves. But, uh, you know, I think the thing was is at that time, I, our players really believed in themselves. And I, and I think that first half was, you know, kind of a lesson to them that they, you know, you know, don't think you're better than every, you know, you gotta, you've got to play every time you can't think you're, you know, great or doing something like that. You, you just can't do it. Because, you know, and I know Christian was always one that, you know, said, if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. Well, they were, <laughs> they came in and said they were the best and had probably gotten their straw a little bit, you know, and uh, didn't work so well that time. I mean, they, they were a good football team, though. I mean, they always had, they always were during that, that period of time. They were, they were a tough team to play. Well, I want to ask you about uh, the the 94 game against Colorado and they came in unbeaten and and I don't know if it was you or somebody said that there were were pipe cutters going to dismantle the pipeline or something and the offensive line got yep. ticked yep. off about were, that. <laughs> yeah, that's the one they wore black shirts and they were going to they were going to show them who uh you know who was the real black shirts? That was their that was their theme for the day. They were going to show them who 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 the real black shirts were, and um, you know that <laughs> went over like a lead balloon, really. Well, <laughs> you know, in, was, in that game, <laughs> you guys you guys made Cordell Stewart the the main ball carrier, didn't you? You you you, you took Salam out of it on the option, right? Well, he, you know he. I, I'm not sure that I don't, I don't remember. I know he, I think a couple of times he dropped the ball. I, you know, he was there. I, I don't know, you know, I know that he didn't play like he was, you know, written up to be mm-hmm. and uh, at that particular game. And I, you know, sometimes players, it just happens, you know, they don't, they don't play well or, you know, in practice, I'm sure that we talked about, you know, not letting him run the ball. And, and that that's a big thing. I think if you harp on that all week, you know, usually those backs have a tough time, mm-hmm. you know, doing it when you, when you, when their name comes up in practice all the time, um, you know, so that, you know, that was, that was one of those games where I think they, the players said, well, we've heard enough and, you know, and so it was probably a little bit of motive. They probably motivated our our guys probably more than we could. Charlie McBride's with us. Hail Varsity Radio. Coach, we'll let you get out and enjoy some family. But real quick, wanted a thought here with Nebraska and their offense as we look towards this season. How much quarterback run do you expect or anticipate with with Whipple's offense? and the quarterbacks you have on the roster. I mean, it, it's something that's been a big part of Scott's offense since he's been here. Well, I think with the, you know, they have a pretty good stable of backs, and I, I think that maybe that that'll cut out a little bit of the possibility that the quarterback is going to run with the ball, ball if we, if we get, you know, if you come up with a few backs that are really tough, the quarterback doesn't really need to run the football. You can save him you know, from any kind of banging around or anything like that. But uh, I would, I would think that, you know, that they're going to, he's going to run the ball, but I don't know that he's going to run it as much as we saw in the past. Charlie McBride with us, Hale Varsity Radio. 
Coach, what do you got going this weekend? Chicken wings and, and uh, brats? Well, they're, they're starting this weekend, uh, starting Monday, next Monday, the whole tribe is coming in. I mean, it's going to be <laughs> four, it's going to be fourteen and fifteen spinning around. I don't know where, but they'll find someplace. And I had one of them that said, "Yeah, I give up, Dad. I'm going to rent a house." And he rented a house in a little <laughs> town. <laughs> so, you know, so that's uh, you know, but they'll all be here and. You know, I'm sure there'll be a a, a lot of a, a good stories. We'll start fishing a little bit more now because they, you know, they, they like that kind of stuff. And, and uh, we got some kids that are really good with wakeboards and skiing and stuff like that. And we'll have the, Mike's bringing his, or David's bringing his big boat from Arizona. And, uh, you know, he's got a big super that's, it only cost about 130000 So it, <laughs> You know, it does pull skiers. (laughs) I I would say that's pretty good. Coach, enjoy it. We'll talk again next week. Okay. I'll talk to you later. Hey, keep up in that World Series, will you? It's a pretty good one I've been watching. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at hailvarsity.com. Just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. But sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut preteen Swedish boy. Back in, it's Hail Varsity Radio. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Dr. Doug Davis with us. Dr. Doug, getting enough baseball? How you doing? Doing good. Enjoying the enjoying the summertime baseball. It's, it's one of my favorite times of year, of course. My family's been a little bit involved in that. Just a touch. <laughs> Just a <Yeah>. touch. And, <laughs> yeah, it is a great time of year. And, and uh, our uh, athlete t- tonight is Manny Machado. We saw him Saturday night go yard. Really good ball game at Coors. And the Rockies prevailed. But, man, he's having an incredible year. We're talking MVP year with his average and power numbers and he's always been great at third but man he had a tough day Sunday Dr. Doug with uh, trying to hustle one out uh, to first base and stepped wrong on the bag and went down like a ton of bricks yeah it's kind of one of those uh, things that when you think about baseball um, it's one of the spots where you do see uh, injuries to the lower extremities Um, you're going hard to first base you, you know you kind of hit that that base awkwardly but you know you're not slowing down at all with any kind of intention to round the base or anything you just kind of kind of run through it and you'll see ACL tears you'll see you know um, ankle sprains um, you know all sorts of kind of crazy stuff happen because of that just sudden um, shift in the weight as you're going over the top of the bag. Well, Manny sprained that left ankle and uh, was able to kind of hobble off the field with his arms around a couple of teammates. Uh, some purple and, and blue is is what the uh, 
description is for that ankle. Uh, he, uh, they think, could stay off the IL. But, Dr. Doug, let's, let's touch on some of the uh, precautionary exams that they've gone through to make sure it's nothing worse than just a, a twisted ankle. Yeah, so, you know, this this brings up kind of a good um, overall point because um, one of the things that can occur with ankle injuries um, is that you can get a lot of bleeding um, from the um, partial tears of ligaments and still not have a lot of instability. And, and because of that, you can have players come back with what look like, you know, just horrible injuries and, and, you know, a lot of swelling, a lot of, you know, bruising like that. So what they'll do is uh, typically um, on physical examination, they're going to just compare that left ankle against his right ankle on a couple of different ways that we test the ligaments. And uh, while that's going to be an uncomfortable exam for him because you're yanking around on him, uh, you can pretty well tell whether or not those ligaments are completely torn or whether they're partial tears. And when we um, uh, have a question, of course, we can go on and we can do an MRI examination or, or uh, serial exams, meaning that a few days later reassess what that situation looks like. Um, but it's, it is um, a, a kind of a, a good point to bring up that um, a lot of ankle sprains are, even though they look pretty tough, are able to come back you know, really pretty quickly. Dr. Doug Tavis with us, uh, Nebraska Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. Manny Machado is our topic. He's really had to carry the offense with Tatis out uh, much, uh, you know, this first half of the year. And San Diego's been right there or, you know, a half step behind trading spots with the Dodgers. What's the timeline here and what's, what's some treatment options right now just moving forward if it is a normal sprain? Yeah, so they're going to really push the uh, uh, push the pressure on that ankle to get the fluid out of it. Um, there's advice that we use a lot in sports medicine. Um, it, it's it's called a game ready device. It's it's one of many different types of um, compression icing machines that we've got available. And um, when we put those on, we can really milk that uh, swelling out of the ankle. And so that's a big part of what's going on right now. They'll use a boot typically in order to immobilize the ankle just because um, it's going to be less painful for him. And uh, likely, as long as his x-rays are normal, which it sounds like they are for him, um, then uh, it's going to be uh, bearing full weight on it. And we, and we actually kind of like the idea of having them bear full weight on it because we want to have um, we want to have the athlete's ability to sense where his leg is in space um, uh, to uh, not be diminished. We want them to be able to feel that. Um, after a few days, then it's going to be regaining some range of motion in that ankle and again, uh, trying to understand the feel of how the ankle is positioned in space. And so we'll, we'll um, have them um, oh, do things like uh, drawing the ABCs, you know, with their, with their foot as they're sitting because that forces them to move the ankle. We'll put them on a, like a mini tramp um, or a, what we would call a wobble board or BAPS board um, and what that does is it um, forces the athlete to 
respond with his muscles to the change in the position of the ankle and forces them to re-engage that thought of or that feeling of where that foot is in space. And then the last thing we do is to um, uh, figure out what kind of, of uh, support we need to put around the ankle as they're, as they're trying to come back into plane. Dr. Doug Davis with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday as we're talking Manny Machado. He plays at third, and he's, uh, he's an athletic third baseman. He's not a, you know, a fire hydrant over there at third. Uh, yeah. He's able to get to, to quite a few balls. Uh, any, any worry uh, about uh, some lingering effects to, to limit his mobility playing that hot corner? Yeah, I think the the most likely thing you see is just a split second less quickness uh, as he's first coming back. Um, you know, playing at third, you know that that instant read of the ball, and you've got to make that first move. There could be just a little hesitation to that, um, and you know, and that that may allow you know. Um, some balls that you otherwise would have gotten, you know, to to get through. But as good as he is, uh, you know, gold glove over there. Mm-hmm. Um, as good as he is, he's still gonna he's still gonna make plays that some other guys aren't gonna be able to make. Doctor Doug, is there any fear of something going wrong if you were to rush this injury back? That's a good question because the um, the ankle can stay inflamed in the joint. At times, and and by by coming back too quickly, you could have that uh, be a prolonged issue. And so, um, one of the ways that, that you're trying to avoid that, of course, is adding that immobilization to it so that you support those ligaments. Um, and you know, realistically, you know, if the if the athlete is able to um, feel comfortable with their quick movements, feel comfortable with their bounding kinds of movements, um, with uh, the immobilization like an ankle brace um, or taping. Um, it, the, that support will generally give them you know, enough support to where they're not going to cause a re-injury or more injury to it. It's just are they going to delay getting over the whole thing? That's kind of the primary concern. Dr. Doug, thanks for the time today. You bet, you guys. You take care. Like what you hear, high-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Sad day in the NFL as we wind it down. The Goose, one of my favorites, Tony Saragusa. His personality only matched by his, well, that 700-pound wall of Baltimore. 
him and Sam Adams, that uh, first Ravens title, 55 years old. The Goose was, I mean, he was he was a riot for part of the NFL broadcast on Fox. They had, like, the, the goose box. See, that's what I remember him from, where he's down on the field in, like, his fur coat. Yeah, I mean, he's pimped out. Pimped I mean, out. Yeah, yeah that, that's how I, I honestly, I assumed he's an NFL player, but I, I never knew anything about his NFL career before that. Like, so. he, he played at Pitt, 1990, went undrafted, tore his ACL, BSed his way to get a $1,400 signing bonus by Indy. And and said, look, I'm a backup long snapper, right? Well, 12 years later, and uh, no doubt a, a Baltimore Hall of Famer, but was just so good. It was actually like friends with him on Facebook somehow. Like <laughs> it wasn't a fan account. It's one night early in the Facebook era. Hey, there's Goose. Uh, let's see if he'll be my friend. And never, never really communicated. Those with early Facebook days were. Cra- I'm still friends with like some random Huskers from way back when. That like his little fifth grade me sending out friend requests. There's <laughs> a little Elijah pre mustache. <laughs> this is a bit of goose though. This is uh, pretty good from uh, the uh, the world of Twitter and uh, goose talking about guys and signing bonuses and earning it. Was around draft push. <laughs> Cut. He's a rookie. I don't want to know who he is. When we came in for minicamp and everything, the guys, they're just open. They're just real guys. Nobody ever gave me anything. When I came into this league, I got a $1,000 signing bonus. Not $12 million, not $5 million, not 400000 You look at all these guys uh, drafted first round, uh, all this, all that. They're going to come in with their nice cars. Don't park them near me because I'm going to slam my door open and you're going to have dents all on the side <laughs> of your car. All right, I have no respect for you until you make the team. And then once you make the team, then, you know, I might talk to you or something, maybe. Probably not, but maybe. He'll get ripped apart. If there's a camera following a rookie around, he's going to get tore. If you survive, then we'll talk. Fair enough. If you survive, then we'll talk. Tony Saragusa, a man, Super Sky Point. Yeah, I saw the, the great quote today uh, from Saragusa saying, if I wanted to learn a school song, I would have gone to Notre Dame or Penn State. I want to kill people on the football field. That's why I came to Pitt. Pride in New Jersey, man. Goose was a Jersey guy. Uh, at least that's where he was born, and he uh, he fit Harbaugh's team. I think Trev Alberts was on this team uh, in the, the years that the Trev was playing in Indy. But but they got to the AFC Championship in '95, and they lost on a hail mary to Pittsburgh. But what led Goose from Indy? I always knew him as Baltimore, but what led him to Baltimore was. Uh, contract dispute and then well lo and behold here's him and sam adams 700 pounds of girth in the middle and there's ray lewis to unload on you if you somehow get by those two to wrap up his career accomplishments he also had a small role in the sopranos yep yep you knew know that. that. Yeah, big Sopranos guy. We are on the road tomorrow. Come see us at the Hale Varsity Club in La Vista. Just off of 680, and uh, we'll be there 4 to 6. Autograph signing, yearbook party drop tomorrow with Hale Varsity Club. A Huda Media Production.